righteous blood. Righteous blood. It's a great weekend celebrating the truth that he is risen. Amen? Well, for so long we have considered this holiday Easter. And if you've been here for a few weeks and if you're newer here, um, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, you will probably leave somewhat offended tonight. Um, just to let you know. Hopefully in a good way. And if not, well, good seeing you. We've always, y'all got to get used to me. We have always considered this the weekend called Easter. But truly, the idea of Easter is actually something that we took of the world and tried to make a worldly thing redeem for God. When God actually already gave us a way to celebrate his resurrection. This weekend is truly what is called a celebration of the first harvest or celebration of first fruits. Everyone just say first fruits. First fruits. It was commonly held to a Jewish tradition, but it's so much more. I don't think this message is going to be really long tonight. Wow. But we're going to get into some stuff. We're going to get into some, some deeper meanings, and we're going to figure out what this thing is all about. So I want to talk about what the Bible actually tells us how to celebrate who the risen king is and how to celebrate his majesty. Amen? Amen. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 13. And then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Who is the people of Israel? Say out loud, us, we are. We are all adopted sons and daughters of the living God. There is no Jew nor Gentile. We are all God's people, amen? amen. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you, when you enter the land, not if, when, because God's promises never fail. When you enter the land I am giving you, and you harvest its what? First crops. Bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On that same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb. With no defects. Mm. As a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Now, I open up with that, and some of you are thinking, what the heck does that have to do with Easter, right? Well, this was a feast that was observed by the people of God when they were going to enter into the land of Canaan. He says, when you enter the land, I'm giving you a new place. I am giving you a new ground. I am taking you out of slavery I am taking you out of what you were formerly in, in bondage, and I am bringing you to a new place of freedom. And when I bring you into this new place of freedom, 
I have a way I want you to honor the gift that you did not deserve, but I decided to place on you. The gift is this new thing, this new land, this bountiful harvest. And the way I want you to honor me in this new thing is I want the first. I want the first harvest of the new land. When they got there, they would celebrate this fulfillment of this promise. But he says, before you do anything, bring me the first harvest of all the harvest. I want the first bundle of the grain from the first cutting. And he says, and when you get it, lift it up before God so that God would accept it as the acceptable offering. Give God the first fruits of many fruits about to come from the land that he made available to you. It was a symbol of worship. He says, I get the first of all that's about to come to you. It is only by God that we have all of this new land. So before you do anything with what you got, God says, I want the first of it. And then he gives specifics about what the first offering looks like. He says, I want a lamb. I want a sacrifice. But I don't want just any sacrifice. I want a one-year-old lamb. Why does he want a one-year-old lamb? I don't want no defects in it. I want it perfect. I don't want it to be messed up with, with bad eating. I don't want it messed up with the bad water you could drink. I, I want it to be perfect. I don't want it to be polluted. I want a fresh lamb, a firstborn lamb. And I want you to give it as an offering, as a specifically as a burnt offering. What a burnt offering was, it was an animal sacrifice on an altar in the temple consumed by fire. He says, I want a fresh, new, perfect, not messed up lamb. And in addition to the lamb, I want grain and I want the drink. I want the lamb, I want the bread, and I want the wine. Y'all got to talk back to me a little bit. And this feast of a perfect lamb with the bread and the wine happened the day after they were celebrating a Passover exiting the bondage of Egypt, representing the celebration of new life in a new place out of, out of slavery. He says, you, you are just celebrating getting out of slavery and now that you're celebrating this, before you do anything with the new, I want all of the first. And they couldn't eat anything in the new land until God got that first. Look at the next verse in verse 14. It says, do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to your God. 
This is a permanent, permanent. You know what permanent means? It means permanent. Well, that's in the Old Testament. Permanent. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. God says, in order for you to be worthy to enjoy all of this inheritance that God made possible for you, of the land that God gave you, of all of this bountiful harvest, of all this fruit, of all this food, of all this grain, of all the income you can make from this land, of the houses you can build, of all this new life, before you enjoy any of it, I want the first offering. And this wasn't a new concept. This actually happened in the beginning of the whole flipping Bible. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. This is where it gets fun. When it was time for the harvest, Cain mm, presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. What did Abel bring? The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. What kind of lambs? Firstborn. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This, came, this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why you look so mad? Why you look dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you ref refuse to do what's right, you better watch out. Hmm. Why are you so angry? Why do you look dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right, but if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin is always crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, ready to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Now, this is after the fall of man and before Jesus comes and the Father says, Cain, watch out because you need to subdue sin. Jesus had not yet come in the form of a man and God said, Cain, subdue sin. You see, we never lost the ability to subdue sin. We lost the ability for death to pass over us. We never lost the ability to subdue sin. We lost the ability for death to pass over us. And many of us will never be able to subdue a sin nature because 
if you're not subduing a sin nature, then you are not truly immersed in giving God anything less than the first fruits of everything you're experiencing. The reason Cain could not subdue it is because he could not recognize sin crouching because he was more obsessed with let me get the best than a flow of God, I want to give you the first. And because he was not immersed in a relationship with God, his flow from his heart was not I want to give you everything that's first. I want to give you the best of my time. I want to give you the best of my treasure. I want to give you the best land. Cain says, how can I make this work for me? And God gets a portion. And God says, you better watch out about that portion logic. Because sin's crouching at your door. And you need to be ready to subdue it. And you be its master. You think Cain listened? Look at verse 8. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. You got to watch out people who say, let's go on a walk. (laughs) And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Look at what happened right there. The suggestion of murder came out of the crouch of jealousy because God accepted Abel's best offering and would not accept the leftovers that Cain offered. And instead of Cain dealing with the issue of a first offering, Cain got jealous and didn't recognize it as sin doing what? And then it turned into another suggestion of murder and where Cain should have subdued the suggestion of jealousy it turned into another suggestion of murder, and then it turned into a lie. Verse 9, afterward the Lord asked Cain, as if the Lord didn't know, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know. You see what's happening? Jealousy, murder, lying. I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Now listen, here's, listen. What is the title of this message? Righteous what? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're cursed and you're banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield crops for you no matter how hard you work. From now on, you'll be a homeless wanderer on the earth. God says, you killed his flesh, but he lives somewhere and his blood is crying out to me to let me know he's no longer in the place that I put him. And because you did not subdue sin, you're banished from the ground and you'll no longer be able to harvest anything no matter how hard you work. In other words, you can keep all my laws and you'll never produce from the ground. You can keep all the commandments that I hadn't even showed you yet 
and you'll never be able to produce from the ground. You can go to church every Easter. And you'll never be able to produce from the ground. You can go to every prayer meeting. You can read your Bible every day. And you'll never be able to produce from the ground. Because I don't want the leftovers. I want the best of what you've got. Not because you feel like you have to do it. But because your heart is so immersed or baptized in me. That the first fruit of your heart is to give me the best of all you got. The best of your schedule. The best of your time. The best of your pocketbook. The best of your talents. I don't want the leftovers. And if you spend your life managing leftovers with God, he says you don't recognize sin crouching at your door. And that's why you can't subdue it. And Jesus saving you had nothing to do with subduing your sin. Y'all okay? Every command God gives us flows from the same thing. A first fruits issue. God wants the best. We are told that he is a jealous God. By his own makeup, he says, I want my children to have all this land and harvest of the ground. I want you to do well. I want you to prosper. I don't want you to go without. I don't want you to have any needs. I don't want you to fear. I don't want you to worry. I don't want any of this from you. But if you want that land, I want the first fruits of your offering. Do not be disobedient. And when he told the people of God this, he said, I want the best lamb. He told Cain and Abel, I want the best lamb. He told the people in Leviticus 23, before you eat of this ground, I want the best lamb. You can't have any of this good land. You can't have any of the inheritance of the kingdom of God until you give me what's mine. They were not worthy of eating from that table of the land until first fruit was given. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, a name gets put on Jesus. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is the feast we celebrate today. This is not Easter weekend. The name Easter is giving glory to an ancient Babylonian God. This is the celebration of the first fruits that because he died for me, he gets my first. And I decree from this moment on, we ain't never celebrating Easter again. I can tell who's coming back and who ain't. <laughs> First fruits. A perfect land. But not just any kind of land. A perfect land with no defects. 
his body representing a grain or a bread offering and something else representing a drink offering. The blood. Because when, when Abel died, what was speaking to God? The blood. As the necessary forever first fruit offering for us to be made worthy to sit at his table. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. God, so rich in his mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace... Why? Because no matter how much law you keep, you can't produce from the ground that you've been saved. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. He seated us at the table with him in heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. Jesus is the first fruits offering. He made a way for us to experience and have and be made worthy for so, so, so much more than what any of us are experiencing. Jesus was betrayed. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was bruised. They put a crown of thorns on his head, took a stick, beat the crown so it would go deeper into his skull, and then he carried a cross to the place of his death. He died on the cross, bleeding and suffocating to death, and three days later, after paying a debt as a perfect offering lamb, he was raised from death to life. A story most of us have heard. But as I was meditating on these things, God showed me something. I've heard over and over through the years, and I listen to the same song. I do have, a, I guess, a part of religious side of me. I listen to the same song every Easter Sunday. I won't tell you the song, but I'll tell you a lyric of it. And the lyric says, the father looked down at his son and said, arise. And I look through scripture, and I can't find one verse where the father said anything. But that's pretty much every depiction we have of the resurrection of Jesus. Arise, my son. But here's what I can find. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He brought him back not with a voice, but from the blood of a perfect lamb with no defects. Why is this important to understand? Because when righteous blood touches unrighteous places, things get unlocked. And an authority is placed on people covered under that righteous blood. And now that the perfect lamb was offered on behalf of humanity, 
We were positioned for a new way of living. For a new land. For a new identity. For a new harvest. Not strive to get everything right by law because no matter how much you do, the ground won't produce for you. But abide in the relationship of his heart because his blood puts us under right covenant. And when your heart is truly submitted under an abiding relationship, out of it flows a harvest. And because in all you do, you will become a natural God gets my first of all that is producing. When you start abiding in a relationship and not trying to govern your life by laws that never got you righteous, he says out of that relationship, your natural will become, I want you to have my first fruits. Not let me go through the list to make sure I'm getting first fruits. It's a natural. Because your flesh, just like Cain, said, let me get revenge. But your first fruits offering to God is, let me turn the other cheek. Your flesh will say, let me look out what's best for me and hold on to bitterness. But your first fruits offering, it says, let me forgive you even though you don't deserve it. It's not, I don't have to tithe because it's not in the New Testament. It's, I recognize that God has given me all this and the first fruits offering out of my relationship is God, you get at least. It is a natural flow from my new person in him is you get a first fruits offering of all that I am. I don't need to figure out does get, does the communion with the saints, is, does that work in my schedule? No, it's your first fruits offering. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints, right? How can we take a city if we don't have relationship with the people to take it with? Right? How can we equip each other for good works if we don't get the people in here that could be the ones that have the knowledge to equip? Right? First fruits. Romans 5 through 6. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Sin has no power in your life. You're no longer a slave to it. Because when righteous blood touches an unrighteous place, you get loosed from unrighteous things. Hell could not hold Jesus and death could not hold Jesus. Not because the Father spoke, but because by the very makeup of God, His righteous blood 
told the unrighteous place where the hell it could go. You can't hold me because I'm right and I've got the keys. And because I'm right, I'm taking the keys that you have made them believe they can't have and I'm taking them with me. And disciples of me, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Because now in this covenant, just like my blood's right, your blood is right. Right things cannot be held down by unright things. Right things are not a slave to unright things. So by the law of God, a right thing called the shots in an unright place. Death in itself is an unright thing because it was never the plan. That kicks the knees out of any sort of Calvinist theology. There is only an elect group. Nope. Why? Because death was never the plan. Death in itself is the unright thing, and when right blood touched the unright place of death, death could not hold the right thing. It could only hold unright things. Are y'all getting this? So when you put yourself under the blood covenant of God, you're now righteous. He made you that way. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So if you're right, this means so is your blood. And what speaks to God? Not the mistake you made 10 years ago that the religious system holds over you. What speaks to God? The blood. <laughs> Death can't hold you, sin can't slave you, and the devil can't make you. But you won't believe that. Because if you truly understood that your blood is right, when the enemy starts to whisper about things you can't do, you would never come into agreement with it. Because if you were in a true relationship where God got all the first fruits, when the whisper of no you can't crouched at your door, it will never get past a whisper because in your life of God gets my first, you'd recognize it in a moment and you would do what the Bible says and take the thought captive because the unright thing does not have the authority to get in the soul under a right blood covenant. Your soul is in the process of being transformed. That means it's got, there's a continual renewal. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's going to get stuff wrong. That's why it says your heart can be the most deceiving thing you've got. 
So make sure your heart's in line. You want to know how to make sure your heart's in line? God, my relationship's with you. You get my first. So when sin crouches, your heart doesn't go, I agree with that. The blood covenant that causes you to say, here's my first fruits, is starting to get your mind to recognize that unright suggestion does not sit in this right temple. The devil does not make you do anything. It's not you fell into sin. It's you ignored the fact that you have full authority to subdue something. And if you sin, it's because you didn't recognize the ability to subdue it because you're not used to a relationship of God gets my first. When you're in a relationship of God gets my first, then you start to understand the bloodline. And in my righteous blood, this unrighteous stuff does not make sense for me. In Ephesians 2.13, you've been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood. Of Christ Jesus. See, when the Lamb was given with righteous blood, everything responded differently. Everything responded differently. Including the very earth that God created. When God gave himself as a first fruit offering for a harvest, remember how the ground could not produce? It became ready to produce. Can I prove it to you? Matthew 27, verse 45. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lema shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. They were mocking him. And then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now watch. The earth shook. The rocks split apart, tombs opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. In other words, the ground was now able to produce. It started splitting open because now those who were in Christ, their blood just got made what? Right. And righteous blood can't stay in an unright place of the grave. So the moment he died, they got out of the grave. Now watch this. Verse 53. They left the cemetery three days later. When? 
Jesus' resurrection. Why? Because he had to walk out, and after he walks out, we walk right out with him. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. The blood makes us right to where my rightness can't stay in unrightness. And the moment my blood gets right, nothing will ever contain me again. And then when Jesus rose up, it says they got out of the cemetery, went into the holy city of Jerusalem. And this could be a whole message, but what, what did Jesus tell the disciples? Where did he tell them to wait for him? Jerusalem. He wasn't talking to the dead people, but they went to the place Jesus told the disciples to go. Why? Because when your heart and when your blood's right, the command of God is written on your heart and you don't have to read it or hear it to have a natural flow to walk in line with the king. Well, I've never read the Bible. No excuses, my friend. If your blood is right, then he has righted something. He wrote something on the right blood. He wrote something on your heart. They went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. And they said, this truly was the Son of God. What's funny is the soldiers, they weren't terrified by dead men walking. They were terrified by the earth's response to right blood hitting the ground. Just like when Abel's blood hit the ground, it started talking to the Father. Because in that moment, a first fruits offering that lifted the curse off the ground. See, people say the ground's cursed. Ground ain't cursed, it's mismanaged by righteous blood. And it's fallen to the hands of unrighteous blood. And when righteous blood paid our price, the godly men and women, they started walking around. See, paying a debt, it was so much more than that. He made the very thing that talks to him right on your behalf. Death can't hold you. Sin can't hold you. The grave can't hold you. The devil can't make you. And the ground is ready to produce for you. But, but is the evidence in the way you give him the first fruit of your new life in Christ proving that? Lord, you made me right. I want to get saved. Well, how the very earth responded to him was, here's your first. What were the first? First Jews and Gentiles, the holy people of God. They got out of the grave. She got it. 
it started producing. What does the Bible say? The earth is groaning for the sons of man. Your blood is right not just to get to heaven. It's right to start governing what has been managed by unright. And this earth was created to respond to right blood. That's why when Jesus made your blood right, he says, go make disciples of all nations and you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're going to do greater things than me. Words of Jesus. These signs will follow unbelievers. These signs will follow believers. The sick will be healed. Miracles, signs, wonders. And we live in a day where right blood runs from unright things. You, do you truly understand what salvation means? It, do you really think that Jesus came down to perform a magic trick so you, you can live with him forever? It, 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 it's not just about eternity in heaven or eternity communing with him. It's about let me get the thing that speaks to me right so that you can be made to produce according to me. And I know you're, and the people will know you're right with me by the same way I know the first fruits offering. The way you're made right is I gave you the, lamb, the perfect lamb. Just as I told them to do way back in Genesis, just as I told them to do way back in Leviticus, just as I said this is your permanent law to forever celebrate me. That's what this weekend's about, a celebration of the first fruits lamb of God. Lord, we, we celebrate the fact that you gave us the perfect lamb to forever make us right, to go into a land to produce. Here's the issue. We aren't producing. And it's not because we can't, because your blood has been made right to produce. You see, the challenge of this message tonight is not to get everyone re-saved again or to commit again. The challenge of this message tonight is how do you prove salvation, right? How, how do you really say, Lord, here I am? Lord, I believe that you made me right, so show me how to produce in the land that you've given me. I am, I am so immersed in who you are that I'm giving you my first. I'm giving you the first of everything I am. I'm giving you my worship. I'm giving you a lifestyle of giving you glory and honor in everything I do, the way I respond to my coworkers, the way, I, the way I respond to my boss who I don't like, the way I honor my wife, the way I honor my husband, the way I honor my mother and father, the way, y'all laughing, right? The way I talk about political leaders that I don't agree with. Disagreement and honor are two very different things, people. You want to know why people ain't coming to the church? Because they hear your mouth. And it don't line up with your right blood. At some point, the two have to get together. You know what my Jesus tells me? Pray for those people. 
not condemn them. They are condemning themselves enough. They don't need your help. That's Bible too. Listen to last week's podcast. You'll get it. At some point, is the first fruit of my mouth condemnation or the edification? Is it honoring to God? What, it's first fruits of everything. Why? Because my right blood, it won't handle any of that other right stuff. And that sin crouching at my door of, of slander, of envy, of jealousy, of gossip, of sexual morality, all this sin crouching. I could have easily subdued it if I understood first fruits. And God said, these, these people will never get it. So I'll tell you what, here's the first fruit offering. Here's my son. He's the perfect spotless lamb. He'll get your blood right. Now what are you going to do with right blood? I challenge everyone tonight. We leave this place. To go home with your families, to go home with your brothers and sisters, to whoever you're going out to dinner with, and just say, what are we going to do with our right blood? Are we going to keep doing the same? Or are we going to take an inventory of these places in our life and say, Lord, what is God not getting first of? And from this moment on, the way we're going to celebrate first fruits is he's getting first fruits. Thank you, Lord, for making me right. Show me where this right doesn't need to be. You know, he calls us a holy people. That means he wants you set apart from unright things. Why? Because your blood don't talk like they do. You know how confusing that is when your blood's crying out for worship and it's in the cries of blood that ain't made right? See, it's so much deeper than law. It's so much deeper than just don't do. It's a blood issue. He made you right. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Just, just, let's just stand and worship him right now. Just thank him. Just, come on, with, out loud, just, just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making us right, God. God, we, want, we don't want you to have the leftovers. We want you to have the first. We want you to have the best. Nothing we have done deserves what you have made for us. You've made the bloodline clean. I declare that we start giving you first fruits and everything so that the sins that we have been in don't transfer through the bloodline. 
that because of that, a generation would rise up that doesn't deal with the sins of our generation, but they will be raised up to be people who only, they don't even know the, the word revival. They just know what restored means. That they will walk in a restored relationship as fathers and sons, knowing how to walk in the right places, in the redeemed places, Lord. But that they're walking in the promised land, Lord. I declare over families today that families will start giving you the first fruits at the dinner table, in conversations, in discipline, in financial management, in the, in, in the husband and wife relationship. For you, you get the first in everything, God. You get the first in how we honor you in our workplace, God. I just declare that we honor you with what you've made right because you have purchased a way for us not to ever have to suffer uh, uh, eternity in a, in a dead place because we are no longer unright to live in unright. You've made us right to live in right. You've made our blood right to live in a heavenly place. And we say thank you, Lord. And we say thank you by saying you get the first in every thing we do and it's in Jesus name we say with a big shout amen amen come on let's give him praise one more time come on thank you Lord